I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. McLaren Goldeye surely thinks that swearing is undignified. Fortunately for us, we don't even pretend to be dignified. This has been your obscenity warning. Welcome to the Reading Circle Temple. I'm Molly. I'm Indy. I'm Brittany. And I'm Goodwin. And today we're talking about Chapter 9 of Triss's book. So grab your cup of coffee. Or tea. Or your drink of choice. And let's slay some pirates. In Chapter 9, Amory's asking if he can stay at Discipline. Mark's like, uh, well, I'm not sure where you're going to stay because we already have extra visitors. And then Andrew's like, well, I'll take Dasha's room and you can sleep in my room. And then a runner shows up and he's like, I need all the great mages. I need them at the gate. Belnet is broken. And if the pirates are going to invade, this is where they're going to invade. Lark and Rosethorn head up that way. Rosethorn takes Briar with her. And she's like, I have a great idea. They get there and all the great mages are like arguing with one another. And Lark is going through trying to calm them down. And Rosethorn's like, fuck this shit. And goes to talk to Skyfire. And she's like, let me tell you all about my great idea. And they launch these seed balls. Bundles. Air. Yeah, they're, they're like little seed packets. Lark pulls thread on the bundles to make them bust open. And they scatter on the beach, and then Rosethorn and Briar pour their magic into the seeds and make them grow like wheat. They're doing the big magic in this one, and there's the pattern. Even though the girls aren't there, the kids knock her out of the pattern. That is a huge deal. And they're all in the pattern. And they do this because they're afraid that they're killing Rosethorn. Yeah, because of how much Rosethorn's putting into it. They're like, oh no, she's gonna die! So they decide to fuck everything up. There's two meanings to fuck everything up, but, you know. They throw themselves into this pattern and then the adults work on breaking it, so Amory puts the voice of cousin Uriel into Triss's head and Lark spins her spindle backwards to pull them out of the pattern and Frostpine peels Daja's fingers away from the thread. Storm pulls Briar's ear and says, you ever do that again? We learned earlier in the chapter why it was dangerous because Frostpine was talking about his best friend tried to make the uh, it was the a, a door beautiful with like, window 
he died right there, right then and there. So the adults are very scared. And Nico is so scared that he storms in and yells at them. Then he is really confused that Daja is as strong as she is. And she's like, oh, it's because of our thread. And Nico asks for the thread. When Sandri gives it to him, he drops it on the ground. He cannot touch the thread. He makes Daja put it in his handkerchief and takes it away from them. And he's like, this is too dangerous even if you did make it. That's really saying something coming from Nico. Him being afraid of a magical item. All right. Oh, and Rose Thorne gets carried in by Kirill. <laughs> <Someone Yeah. else. laughs> and Briar's like, oh yeah, she's here. <laughs> she has arrived. Step one reading like a novice. This is when we talk about what we liked and what we didn't like about this chapter. What did you guys like and not like about this chapter? I have a whole list, like I always do. I, I, I do too. I have a whole fucking list. I um, have one thing. Oh, then you can go ahead and go first then. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think my favorite part was Rose Thorn. You know, when she gets called up to go to the wall and she comes up with the idea because she knows what's going on. She knows that heart isn't defended and she comes up with the idea to use the briars and brambles and stuff to keep people from getting on the beach and instead of Tamara Pierce saying you know she smiled when she came up with the idea she says that Rose Thorn showed her teeth and I just thought that was like a very aggressive way to say like, smiled because she clearly has bad intentions for the pirates it was this confidence and like ferocity mm -hmm. in that expression I, I... made me really happy I love the difference between the two because smiling is, it can be weird and aggressive and mean and like sad. So it can mean all of these things. But when you say shoulder teeth, when dogs get mad and start defending their territory, almost all of them are their foxes when they're cornered will do the same damn thing. They bear their fangs. Yeah, they're just like, I'll fuck you up. I don't think it's so much of smiling. I think it of as defending territory. Like, I got some shit planned for you. <laughs> I got you. I like describing it as defending territory, especially because we've talked a little bit in this season about how Triss and Rosethorn are similar. And I think we start to see, especially in these chapters, that that's kind of how Triss feels about defending Winding Circle from the pirates. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first place she's felt like home, and she is not going to go down without a fight. I have a short list. <laughs> Mostly things that I kind of dislike. I have one favorite part. The whole scene with Briar and Rosethorn growing the brambles in general. But the part that really stands out to me is he's standing at the wall at one of the notches. And then she's at his back and has her arms around him or set on the wall or something. So he is totally encircled by her. And I just love this image of this sense of safety and the detail that she goes into where Briar can feel Rose Thorn behind him and he can smell her and she smells like earth. That paragraph always hits home. As for things I dislike, it's really just I feel there are actions that characters do that I'm like, I feel like you could have behaved better. So Triss doesn't want to forgive Amory for calling up cousin Uriel's voice. And I understand why, but I also understand Amory's need to do that because they're all of the adults are trying to break them out of this pattern magic because they know it could kill them. That part of me, I guess, wishes that Triss would give him a little bit of a break. And then Nico, 
And again, I understand why Nico yells at the kids, but especially because like of how Tris takes it, I was just like, oh, I wish that you could have been gentler. So someone brought it up immediately after that scene that they are literally children. Yeah. They are 10 years old and they have not had the amount of training to know that any of the stuff they did was wrong. They, they really yeah. don't. They barely understand their own power. And I feel like no one else really has a firm grasp on how their power works at that place. I think Nico has an idea. And, and you know, I learn. think everybody has a vague idea of what they're dealing with, but it's definitely not to the extreme. But yeah. with them handling all of these things the way they do, it makes them appear all the more human. Because when people are scared, it sounds so weird when I say this. I feel like a person's true character and what they about and how they feel about things is so obvious when they're scared. Mm-hmm. More so than any other time. And it's obvious like with Nico yelling at the kids, he cares about them so much that he was scared that all four of them could have been gone right then and there yeah you kind of wish people would hit especially nico handling that different with tris especially but it's also so very very human i love that sandry stands up to him and he's like give me this thread and she's like you made tris cry Fuck you. Yeah. She's like, not at all. No, you need to apologize to my friend first. Like, thank you, Sandry. Teaching the adults. Teach them to act right. Very noble of her. All right, Brittany. Okay. (laughs) You touched on one of mine with the whole Rose Thorn and Briar. He breathed in her funny scent. Pine dark soil, hints of basil and aloe. With her at his back, he felt almost as if he rested in the arms of Mila of the grain herself. Though he quickly assured the goddess there was no blasphemy. What I like about it ties in with another passage is after everything, Sandry says, they were hurting Briar and Rose Thorn. Sandry forced herself to meet Nico's blazing eyes. We thought they were killing Rose Thorn. And Obviously, they loved Rose Thorn so much that she was, Rose Thorn was screaming in agony next to Briar, and she's one of the only people that he's ever trusted. And of course, he would want to do something, especially since she didn't tell him, oh, this feeling of pain is just temporary, and he obviously didn't want this person that he trusts so much to die. So I thought that was really sweet. You already touched on this too when Briar is dreamily like, ah, oh, she's home when she's cursing <laughs> outside saying, oh, put me down. People are going to think I'm sick or dying. And ah, oh, she's home. And then the last one I liked was at the very end when Carol looked positively harassed. He's like, yes, you deserve that, Carol. I'm glad you feel positively harassed. <laughs> being harassed for being a good person yeah totally does yes he deserves it the whole briar thing at the end is one of my favorites just because there's a lot there to unpack especially in this chapter when it comes to briar's feelings for rose thorn and i love that because she is one of the only people he's ever really trusted and I don't think he trusts anyone like he does Rose Thorne and with knowledge of what happens in the next two books is he absolutely loves Rose Thorne she is everything he wants to be that is his shelter for me when he says she's home I always feel like there's an underlying she's home Mm. like her being there is his home you can put a lot of love and faith in somebody and they can feel like home and I feel like that's how he feels about her discipline isn't his home it's the people that are in it 
Yes. I think that's um, very accurate. Something I like that nobody brought up is the part where Crane is out there carrying <laughs> on. <laughs> and Briar's like little half salute just cracks. He's like, yeah, sure, what the fuck ever, dude. Yeah, he didn't talk back to him. He could have. Yeah. But he, he didn't. Just like, he just, whatever. Whatever, dude. Oh, I was going to say, I also like the mention that they have to carry Rosethorn back. Briar makes it back under his own power, but only just. And I just like the mention that he gets back to discipline barely, and then Sandry has to help him to the table, and he just sort of like collapses into a chair and glares at Nico from there. He's like, fuck off. I'm tired. <laughs> the one that nobody brought up is Lart going through and is trying to shame everybody into behaving. And then Briar's comment of there's more to Lark than there seemed. Rosethor will make him do an initiate or a dedicate out of you yet. I the part where Rose Thorn and Briar are making all the briars and thorns and everything, and uh, Rose Briar takes over where Rose Thorn was at, and was like he decided that Rose Thorn didn't hate enough, and he yeah. turns bigger. I thought that was really sad. I saved those two things because I have more to say about them in our other two sections. Same. Yeah. Same. There's so much hatred there. It breaks my heart. You find out a lot of why Briar is just like, fuck pirates. It's really sad. He had to go through all of that. I mean, it is street rat life. But at the same time, it's just so sad. These kids have had to go through a lot. It's it's rough. It's pretty devastating the detail that she provides there oh, Rosethorn didn't hate the pirates because she hadn't had this experience or that experience. Briar did. Not just personally, but he saw what it, what they did to other people. One last thing, and it's the one that we read as an excerpt. Yes. If I mean to kill somebody, I do it. I don't try. <laughs> I feel that on such a personal level that it's just beautiful. And it's very accurate because that is essentially what happens in this chapter. I love that it's horrifying, but at the same time, very cool. They're growing these briars. And when Briar comes out of the pattern magic, he looks around and he's like, oh, those pirates who were coming to the beach, they escaped. And Skyfire is like, are you kidding? (laughs) They're buried under all of that. That is such a horrific death. Note to self, never piss off Rosethorn. Another thing that I really like, too, is when Rosethorn is listing all the things that's in the little bundle or whatever. When she says Briar, she grins at Briar and then continues with her list. I was like, oh, it's so cute. I actually want to go back to Nico for just a second because I was online recently and I found a discussion. Somebody was basically like, can we just talk about how Nico is a terrible teacher and berates the children and all of this? So I wanted to know y'all's point of view on this. I really like Nico. He's one of my favorites. I feel like he can be a little harsh with them sometimes, but they're living in times where they need a little harshness, but you can also tell that he really cares about them as well. Yeah, these kids need discipline. And I know... The jokes about the place they're living in and stuff, but they do need someone to not not just hold their hand, but give them solid instruction. And I think Nico's the guy to do it. The issue is time. He did not have time to teach Triss how to see magic. He eventually, he just had to enchant her glasses. He's like, wait, didn't I teach you this already? Like, no, no, you haven't. I think he's the guy to do it. He just doesn't have the time with all this stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, you've got earthquakes, got pirates attacking. I think he's doing the best that he can, but it's just not. uh, If he had more time, he'd definitely be a lot better teacher. It's just tough right now to actually teach these kids the basics. First, an earthquake, 
now pirates. And then I know later on there's the illness, so the plague or whatever. So there's just no time. Are you holding it together there, Indy? I think he's a shit teacher. He's a fun character. I love him as a character. I think he's a shit teacher. He doesn't have the time. He would be a great teacher if he had time. Okay. It's not his fault. Here's the thing. We're going to go back to the glasses part. Didn't I teach you this? No. All of this stuff happened. Oh, well, here, let me just do this. He could be a good teacher. But I think that, and this might be the other books taining my view here, a good teacher makes time. It's one of those, yeah, there's all of this shit going on. But a good teacher makes time. Even if it was something basic, like teaching her how to see magic. Yeah, that probably would have taken a few days. But he automatically was like, well, we're just going to do this. And it never mentions that he's trying to be like, okay, this is how you do it without. And then as things go on, he's really short with the kids. You need tough love and you need somebody who's the bad cop in the situation. But in moments where there needs to be a gentle hand, he's too firm. If you look at the part where he's made Tris cry, yeah, he was terrified. It could have very well been handled differently. You can get your point across when you're upset without yelling and hurting other people's feelings. It seems like a consistent thing that he does with Tris. Yeah, there's a lot of shit going on, but everything that she's learning, she's Lark and Rose Thorn. She's learned very little from Nico other than don't fuck with Mother Nature. She fucks you back. That's literally the only thing he's really actually taught her. Everything else has come from Lark and Rose Thorn. So I think he's a shit teacher. I love him as a character. I think he's very human. But I think he's a shit teacher. I think that your comment about how you can be a firm hand without upsetting people. I think Rose Thorne's a good example there because she grabs Briar's ear and she says, like, if you ever do that again, I will hang you in the well or whatever it is she says. They have developed a relationship where he knows she is dead serious. This is something bad, but it also doesn't freak him out. I imagine Rose Thorne speaking fiercely and sternly but not necessarily raising her voice whereas I imagine Nico raising his voice and I think that's a big difference in it and Rose Thorne acts in a way that she is able to get her point across without causing damage to that relationship but Nico doesn't as we see. I also feel like both Rose Thorne and Lark are around children a lot more often than Nico is So they have had more practice on being able to talk to small children where Nico isn't always around and he's off other places because he's a really important guy in always other places. So he hasn't had that experience of talking to children and knowing how to talk to them. That doesn't necessarily forgive him though. Well, I'm not saying it fully forgives him, no. He needs to learn how to do that. But yeah. that doesn't make him less of a teacher just because he doesn't know how to talk to a person. He's not a teacher. I'm just saying he's a shit one. <laughs> well, Rose Thorne didn't tell Briar, hey, this could hurt me. Don't worry about it. She didn't tell him that. And Lark okay. and Rose Thorne actually have a conversation about why she should have. They do. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that I wish to point out, Lark knows all of those kids. She most likely can tell you what they like, what they dislike, how they act in the morning when they wake up, everything. What needs to be done before they go to bed. She could name all of that, I bet. Yeah. I bet you. But she's always there. Nico has to go to these other I I feel that Nico has very different responsibilities. 
No, no, no. Listen to me here. Rose Thorne, who doesn't interact really with any of the, she deals with them at meals. Her focus is on Briar and on her garden. I bet you she could do the same damn thing. Nico can't take the time to actually learn something about Triss. Well, I'm sure he wants to, but he has different responsibilities than Rose Thorne. They get to her stay house. there. He has. He doesn't have that choice of whether he gets to stay or not. They get to stay. He can't. I don't think that's true because in Sandry's book, it talks about how he is specifically not a dedicate because he likes traveling too much. He like travels where the wind takes him. I think that while he does stuff for the temple, he is not. His travels and his adventures aren't always designated for that a lot of what he does is for his personal interest that's true but these two books gave you things are happening like in sandry's book he got called away for several months because of the earthquake coming in they had to have him be able to see the signs and stuff so yes his other travels are for his own personal gain or whatever but these two books He's been working for his nation to be able to protect people. And if those things weren't going on, I'm sure he'd be right there with Tris to try to figure out how to properly train her. But then in that case, maybe he should be finding her a different teacher. I agree. Which means that he's not that great a teacher. He's not suited to be a teacher. Yeah, right now he has the capacity to be a good teacher. I don't think he is one right now. So, yeah. We're going to have to agree to disagree like the Kira thing. <laughs> I, I love him as a character. I think he's fascinating. He's very human. However, he's a shit teacher. That is just my opinion. I mean, I'll admit when I first read that, I felt very defensive of Nico because I like him as a character. But I also know that of these four teachers, and heck, Let's even throw Dedicate Crane and Dedicate Gorse in there because they keep popping up. Nico is the one I would least like as a teacher. Like I would rather have Crane as a teacher than Nico because Nico is very persnickety and then he's also aloof and not always clear. He has expectations, but doesn't make those expectations clear. Whereas with Rosethorn, and I would kind of argue with Crane, but obviously I know more about him. So let's look at Rosethorn. She has very clear expectations and she has this very strict quality about her, but I would actually love working with Rose Thorne because even though she has very high expectations and she gets frustrated when people don't meet those, unlike Nico, she's very clear about what those expectations are from the beginning. So I feel like if I went to work with Rose Thorne, and I said, I don't know anything about gardening, but if you tell me what to do, I will do it exactly as you tell me. Then she would be like, well, it's just as well that you don't know anything about gardening, because if you did, you'd probably be doing it wrong anyway. And would be like grumpy, but still very clear in her directions. Whereas if I was doing something with Nico, he'd be like, oh, go do this thing. Why aren't you doing it correctly? Because I don't understand what you want me to do. Again, shit teacher. Not a shit human being. Just a very busy human being. Which I get on a personal level. Shit teacher. Yeah. I do, however, think that he is, for the most part, a good teacher for Triss. Or a good adult to be in Triss's life. See, that's completely different. That is a completely different statement. <laughs> well, I think in ways he is a good teacher for Tris, but maybe it would be more appropriate if he was teaching her along with someone else, like a co-teaching situation. Because when she asks questions, he encourages that and he answers them directly. And he understands how much she loves to read. He's the person who brought her to the library so he connects to her in this way that the other adults don't but I think that of the teachers in the book he is the least good 
he probably wanted to find somebody to help him, but with everything that's going on, who else is going to be able to help? Everybody's all, everybody's busy too. You're going to die on this hill. I sure Along with Carell. See, I think it's really interesting because you will send your headcanon to forgive Nico, Mm -hmm. but you can't possibly imagine anything that would make Carell a good person. Even though, I don't know, I just don't see the evidence that he's a bad person. I haven't seen anything good from Carell. I've seen a lot good from Nico, so... Okay, I'm I'm not going to go into it because <laughs> every scene except the only two that you, you remember. I'm sure this one, yes, he carried Rose Thorn, but I'm sure somebody pointed him like, "Hey, you boy, you look big and strong. Carry her." I'm sure he didn't go out of his way. He just he just happened to be there, and they're like, "Hey, pick her and, up, Carrie. And I have audio of people on this podcast talking about how they don't go out of their way to do things and will only do things when people appoint them. I'm going to make a fucking Carell episode, y'all. <laughs> Please do. It's going to be all of the outtakes and then all like butted up against other things. He is the one that alerted Frostbine to Daja's Azigazi because he's the one who asked her what was going on. Frostpine is over on the other side of the place, doesn't even notice. He asks her, and even though he cannot see it, he has no idea what she's talking about. He's like, hey, Frostpine, I think this might be important. Maybe you have more knowledge because you've been doing this longer. And you could tell us if this is actually something that we should worry about. He could have been like, ah, no, it's, it's just a mirage, I'm sure. I can't see it. But he is the one who, like, got her to bring this information to head. Only probably because he's a tiny bit scared of her. And like, you know what? She can do some crazy shit. I watched her catch something with my hand, with her bare hand. She, She can do some crazy shit. Maybe she's actually seeing something. So maybe I need to tell him this because she does do some crazy stuff. So... You just refuse to see the other side of anything. I do. <laughs> All right. Do we have anything else to add on this? Have we lost Natalie? She's run away. Because Out of, of sheer that. frustration. <laughs> do you think Nico is a good teacher? Write to us at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com or contact us on one of our social media pages like Facebook or Tumblr. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Step two is reading like a dedicate. This is where we pull out a theme or a message from the chapter. What theme or message did you pull out of the chapter? All right, I'll go since everyone's quiet. Because <laughs> uh, I have feelings and this is serious business, y'all. I'm going to preface this with a couple of things. We've already noted that I have a lot of similarities with Lark. And I have said that in my classroom, I think of myself very much as a lark. I had this interview for a position in a school several years ago. They didn't hire me. The thing that I remember most from the interview was the person who interviewed me saying, well, you were very sweet, but. So I'm pretty sure that they didn't hire me because they thought I was quote unquote too sweet. And the lark is very sweet. So I guess for me, the theme or the message is not to underestimate that, especially because in Lark's case, I really feel like it is her kindness and her sweetness that allows her to do what she does. All of these head mage people are arguing. And what she does is she goes through the crowd and one by one, she talks to them briefly, she touches their shoulders, and she kind of shames them all. And they're like, oh, we're not behaving like adults. Rose Thorn wouldn't be able to do that. Rose Thorn doesn't even go over there because she's like, fuck those people. I don't want to deal with them. But it is Lark's kindness that allows her to calm this situation. And then the level of honesty that we get from her and the way that she handles situations with let me treat you like a human being. I don't know. So Sandry, she says, okay, Sandry, for the rest of the afternoon, I want you to continue this regular weaving. And Sandry's kind of upset about it. And she's like, can't I do the magical weaving? I promise I'll be careful. And this is when Lark says, this is why you can't. And she's very direct with her and just says, it is incredibly dangerous. This is why and people have died doing this, which is why I don't want you to do it without me. And I think that there are other people who in that situation would just be like, no, this is what I said and do it because I said so. But Lark looks at Sandry and she's like, I will give you the adult explanation and tell you exactly why we can't do this. Then that contrasts with Rosethorn, Lark tells Rosethorn, oh, well, maybe you should have warned Briar and like told him kind of more about what he was getting into, which I agree with her there. And Rosethorn should have done this. But also Lark handles it in a way where she's able to talk to Rosethorn and she's not like, oh, well, you did this wrong. She's just like, oh, it might have helped if he had known. She's kind of able to see from Briar's point of view, and use that to explain to Rose Thorne in the future, this might be a better way to go about this. I guess it's just that there is strength in things that appear at first glance weaker. And I think that's always been sort of meaningful for me. And it's something that I like to try and live. We see it again, I think, with the plants themselves, because we don't think of plants commonly as being something that would, I don't know, defend against pirates but they murder pirates with these plants. It's basically magical barbed wire. Yeah. 
that's really interesting because I think it kind of shows that contrast with something in the next chapter the, with the way that Briar talks bad about someone else. He talks bad about it, but Lark has a way of saying criticism without making it seem like an attack. And I'm going to go out of the limb and say, I think that this is probably an art that she has developed through lots and lots of practice. We also know that Lark has traveled, and I'm going to guess that that contributed it, contributed to it as well. There we go. I can talk. She's mentioned being an acrobat. She's mentioned traveling with traders. So she's probably met lots of different people who have different personalities in sort of through that, I, mean, I think, developed a way of being able to be like, oh, so-and-so needs to take criticism in this way and so-and-so needs to take criticism in this way. But also just having that we are different, but we're all still human sort of mentality. I think that might even have something to do with her having worked in the entertainment industry. Yeah. Being yeah. Working in a circus, just meeting so many different types of people and having to entertain some of them. I'm sure she had other dealings with people there and that helped her. Like you said, expand how you talk to different people. I aspire to be more like Lark at the same time that I aspire to be Rose Thorne and Gors. I get that. I get that well. I need to be more like Lark. I'm just aggressive. I'm a very aggressive young person. Mine is very Molly answer. Caring for others. So I'm going to read my note for this. Theme, caring for others. Example, Lark with Amory. Lark with Frostpine. Lark with Sandry. Lark with Triss. <laughs> Lark with, Lark with, Lark. I'm sensing some sort of theme, but I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah. She is super helpful with Frostpine because of the fact that he's still wiped out. She doesn't hesitate to be like, what's another person in the house? It's fine. Come on, let's go. One that I, that's not Lark themed, is when Sandry and Triss are worried for Briar and Daja and Rosethorn, they're like, oh, well, I'm worried about them. We care about them. And so they go and they get the, uh, the circle and they sit there and fiddle with it pretty much. The kids with how they react when they think Rosethorn is dying kicking her out they're like we're doing our best to protect and care for this person even with rosethorn how she reacts with the kids it's her version of caring for others yeah she's a little gruff and she's very forceful but it's obvious she cares in her own way which brings us to how nico was acting with the kids yes he yelled at them yes he could have handled it differently but he obviously cares about all of them so much. There's a lot of care and love, selfless love. Teamwork! (laughs) Expanding this even further is everybody is trying to protect Winding Circle, and they care about the place that they're at, the people they're with, And there's just that need of, I need to care for them. I need to protect them. I need to do all of this stuff. Mine is a lot like Indy's. Mine was love and protection because Briar works so hard to try to save Rose Thorn. And even the girls are like, we're here. And they start helping him try to be able to protect Rose Thorn. It's lots of love. Maybe when Briar was like, oh, she's back. Lots of love. I love that she uses the word dreamily. Yes. Because it's hard to imagine anyone saying something about Rosethorn dreamily while she's outside yelling at everyone. He would be the only one. (laughs) Yeah. He's literally the only one who feels that way. She's home. Lots of love. And speaking of love, it kind of reminded me of, I don't know why it took me this long to kind of realize it, but uh, 
it made me think of how kind of the relationships between the teachers and, and the students, like each one has their own particular teacher who's kind of being the one that's in charge of their growth, which is a good segue into mine. Nico's teaching Tris, Frostpine's teaching Daja, Rose Thorne is teaching Briar, and Lark is teaching Sandry. Obviously, there's some teaching other kids, but that's kind of like the main main groups. And it was interesting to me seeing how when they were being pulled out of the the pattern magic after they were done with that how they were affected by tris was really heavily affected by having nico admonish her because i feel that she also has that connection with her father she had a father figure and he basically just got rid of her and so she has this connection to obviously nico isn't her father but there is that kind of trauma in the past that she had and i feel like that maybe affected her more we see uh, like Rose Thorne's connection with Briar and how I don't think Briar had a mother figure in his life, but he starts seeing Rose Thorne as almost like a mother figure. She comes back, even though she's angry and tired of being brought back. He, like it said in the book, you know, he dreamily thought, oh, she's home. So there's like that interesting kind of connection between uh, all the students and their teachers that is connects kind of back to their backgrounds, I think. This honestly isn't even my theme. My theme is growth. But I thought that was just an interesting thing to see between the kids and their teachers that depending on how they're treated, it also has to do with their past. And I think that's really good character writing, too, because Triss was like really hurt hearing Nico admonish her. It was bad. And like I said, I think that has to do with her past and what she's dealt with. But for my theme, growth was what I found, both growing the plants to stop the pirates and all the kids using their experiences from the past to kind of fuel their future growth. You also saw it in the anger that the kids felt against the pirates and that made the thorns and the plants that they were growing longer and more sharp. And I just found that to be a real interesting thing to see. These kids are growing a lot. Their powers are expanding at this point. And it's interesting to see them be able to pull off this huge type of magic, even at their ages. It's kind of crazy. Part three is reading like a mage. This is where we use the chapter to craft magic in our own lives. What magic did you find in this chapter? What I pulled out was back to when Nico is talking to or yelling at the kids and Tris tells him, we're just kids, not Tris. Uh, Lips trembling as she fought tears. We haven't had time to learn hardly anything. And having a child myself, sometimes I forget that she doesn't know as much as I do and I expect her to. And then I'll get upset with her for reacting a certain way to things. And then I have to like remind myself, hey, she's a kid. She doesn't understand the things that she's saying or doing. So I need to calm down and try to talk to her and find out like how she's seeing things and not blow up on her like Nico does with them. I think that insight also may be part of what contributes to you having a different opinion on Nico because you read that scene in sort of a different way. Mine is sort of connected in a different way to that same scene. Tris says, well, we're just kids. We haven't like had a chance to really learn anything, but then Later down the page, Amory says, wait, that was pattern magic they interrupted. These children broke into, and then Briar interrupts, and he's like, if it's something children can't do, then we kids didn't do it. This goes back to the first couple of chapters. There's this sort of question of, are they children or are they mages? Because they are so powerful. And the answer to me has a lot to do with that scene where Briar and Rosethorn are doing the magic to make the plants grow because Briar is taking pride in how sharp his thorns are because he's so angry. But the teachers and the kids are all sort of different versions of each other. Nico and Tris have a lot in common. Daja and Frostpine have a lot in common. Rosethorn and Briar have a lot in common, but she's sort of a more mellowed out calmer version of him or somebody who maybe 
better knows how to handle her emotions properly. So I think maybe the difference between being a kid and being a mage is knowing how to use your anger and when to let it go. I get that because you also see it uh, with Triss too. She's learning to control her anger and because when she doesn't, it's dangerous. But she's growing and she's really... uh, The magic that I found kind of related to my theme of growth, you know, using experiences in the past to kind of fuel your future. I kind of got it from what I saw Nico doing and when he apologized to, you know everybody for yelling at them it kind of reminded me of a previous relationship where sometimes you just have to learn from other people's experiences and learn what not to do in a previous relationship the person i was with was i'm not going to say abusive because it didn't get to that point eventually it got very hard to be around her she was kind of manipulative and mean and she eventually cheated on me and I kind of saw all those things and realized that after we broke up, I realized I didn't want to become like her. I didn't want to make the same mistakes that she did and kind of try to grow from that to keep that from happening in my future, both with me not doing the same things and not allowing myself to have someone do that to me again. That's a good magic. Mine is knowing your limits. We see it with Frost Pine talking about his best friend and then Briar with the plants, especially Rose Thorn going in and the kids knocking her out. And then, of course, everybody's reaction of, oh, my God, you guys just why did you do this? And this, that and the other. It's kind of knowing your limits because you can do some things and other things you think you can do. But it's too much. Even if you can even if you can do it, it takes too much out of you to do it. And I know I'm definitely one of those people where I don't know mine. I'm like, meh, fuck it, I can do it. And even at a great personal cost, I still do stuff that I shouldn't, whether that be something physical and also with interpersonal relationships. At some point, you have to realize that putting your time and effort into somebody isn't worth it. And that one I am kind of talking about from a personal experience because we should call her bitch from Ohio, not what I usually call her. I put so much time and effort into that friendship and eventually I had to realize it's it's not worth it to stay friends with somebody like that because it was at such a great personal cost. Like I was giving up my own values in order to accommodate somebody else. And that's a hard line. You have to know where the limits are and which ones not to try and cross. That has been one of the ones I've been looking forward to the most because I've always resonated within that whole chapter about pushing your limits and not understanding when you can't do something. Even when I was a kid and I first read it, I noticed that. And yeah, these kids keep doing big stuff and bigger stuff and it keeps coming. But the exhaustion of being human does take a toll on people. This has been one of the ones I've been most excited about whenever we were talking about the different steps that we were going to do this one has been the one that I've actually been most excited about because I reread this chapter or I reread this series when I came back from Ohio and that was something that resonated and that was probably two weeks before I cut that bitch out (laughs) like it's one of those even with being civil and talking to her again I know my limits now I know what I can't give up and where I can bend. Know your limits. You will, you could die. (laughs) That's something I have trouble with. This is an excerpt from chapter 10 of Triss's book. I learned awful quick. It's not worth the trouble to pick their pockets. He said the hair on the back of his neck prickled. There was more going on in here than just the wind picking up. 
They hardly ever have two coppers to rub together. If they have anything, they spend it on books. When she made no comment, he went on. From what you say about your family, they won't pay extra money to anyone, even their future mage, till after he's shown what he's good for. So where's he getting his money? And maybe he says he came to study for weeks, but he didn't pack like it. He could have left his other things in storage at the guest house. Tris spoke dully, trying to reject what he was saying. Her heart thudded, her skin prickled, tingling. At that moment, she hated Briar for telling her these things, for sounding so sure. I bet it was him I saw on that hub staircase with the invisibility spell. But why was he here? I bet whatever blew up the stuff in the seeing place, he put it there. You never saw a face. It could have been somebody else. Why hadn't he just gone straight to Nico or to Rosethorn? The tickling along her skin got hotter. Now she could feel her pulse banging in the veins of her neck. Why sneak into the kitchens, Briar wanted to know. Don't tell me Gorse would notice everybody on that madhouse today. But Gorse does. He... Briar glanced at the window and froze. A thin, three-fingered brand of lightning felt its way along the window ledge like a hand that searched for a place to grip. The scent of charred wood drifted on the air. They could see black streaks where the lightning touched the wood. Briar seized Triss's arms. Get a hold of yourself, he whispered. Triss shook Briar off and went to stand before the window. It wasn't really lightning exactly, just a thread of it. She stretched out a hand. Don't, Briar hissed, too frightened to move. Triss, the gold skeleton arm reached for the girl. Briefly, its three fingers touched hers. Chris felt the brush of white hot light as if something she had only seen could be felt. Her curly hair began to rise. The lightning folded in on itself, rolling out the window. Briar put his head in his hands. If I had a mother, I'd want her right now, he muttered. Can't you do anything small? Tris brushed the fingers the lightning had touched against one cheek. They were warm, nothing more. Do I want to? She asked dreamily. The lightning had been so beautiful. It didn't hurt her feelings. It didn't tell lies. It was above everything ugly. People didn't matter to it. Reading Circle Temple is produced by us, Molly, Brittany, Indy, and Goodwin. If you like listening, tell your friends about us. If you don't like listening, tell your enemies. Please tell us what you think of the Circle of Magic by emailing us at templeofreadingcircle at gmail.com or join our Reading Circle Temple Facebook group. You can find more of Reading Circle Temple at readingcircletemple.com or find Reading Circle Temple on Tumblr. And thanks to Yellow is for Happy for our artwork. You can find more of their artwork on Tumblr at Yellow is for Happy Draws or on Instagram at Shannon and Draws. Also, thanks to Britain's brother, Thomas Dick, for our theme music. You can find more of his music by following Thomas Dick on SoundCloud. Thanks to Tamara Pierce for writing The Circle of Magic. And thanks to you for listening. Let's all have coffee next week. I feel like we could do like a, a radio commercial for Tyrell. Like, has your student collapsed outside because she was doing too much magic? Has your dedicate collapsed on the wall because she was injured by pirates? Tyrell! <laughs> Get you from point A to point B quickly and quietly. <laughs> 
and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.